0: Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in La Crosse. And the Packers win a bit of a snow game yesterday at Lambeau Field against the Detroit Lions, 27-20 after falling down 14-0 in the beginning of the game. Looked rocky there for a while, like many parts of this season has, but interestingly enough, amazingly enough, they are one win away from being the NFC North champions for the second straight year, and, and it's just kind of hard at this point for me to wrap my head around that, so maybe we'll uh, be able to talk about that, but nevertheless, a huge win for the Packers yesterday, um, made extra huge by the fact that the Bears lost a division game yesterday, so... We're going to talk about that. Uh, the game yesterday, we're also going to talk about the Packers' playoff scenarios. Obviously, the easy one is they win next week, and then they win the NFC North, but I have a whole bunch of other possible scenarios that could be in store for the Green Bay Packers that we'll have a chance to discuss. And also we'll have a crossfire segment, which we haven't had for a while. Uh, some of you have put some really good topics for us to discuss out on the Facebook page, so we're gonna get to those as well. Uh, with that, we're gonna bring in Matt here, and Matt, another one of those games for the Packers where you're not too impressed with them, but they did win, so another one where you're not quite sure what exactly we're supposed to take from it.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just kind of a repeat of what we've seen time and time again this year. I mean, I think the big takeaway for me is, just taking a look at Aaron Rodgers' stats, it was so underwhelming. And really, I mean, that seems kind of unacceptable. I, I know it's kind of the, the flow of the game, how things were going, but really at 14 of 24, 173 yards, no touchdowns. I mean, those are like Mark Sanchez-type numbers. It's, I mean, not that he looked that bad or as bad as you know somebody like that, but it, it's just, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it, I guess, other than this is the guy who's supposed to lead our offense. I know we, we definitely ran the ball a lot more to... Last night, which took away some of his past attempts, but I, I guess maybe it was just because we weren't on the field very often because we couldn't get them off the field for a good portion of the first half at least.
0: Yeah, it was, it was kind of a weird game, so I don't know if I fully blame him 100%, but, right. um, I, I'm not, obviously you're not doing that either, but it's, even for his own numbers, it just seemed really bizarre, like you said, what did they run? 16 plays in the first half, and, I don't know, he played well while he was out there, they moved the offense up and down the field at will it seemed, but I don't know, maybe it was the weather, and maybe it was, I guess I heard him in his post-game press conference mention that we learned last year that you don't have to put up huge numbers, and it doesn't matter what you do at this time of year, if you're beating people and you're scoring a ton on offense, it really doesn't matter, and... It's interesting to hear him actually admit that That maybe that's kind of going through their mind Where maybe they're not going all out all the time Because they feel they're talented enough Where they don't necessarily have to
1: Yeah, and that's something that we kind of talked about last week too I mean, it's nice to hear him say that And maybe give us a little validation for that But against the Vikings where we knew we weren't going to have to put up You know, 35 points And his numbers were pretty modest again You know, it's probably the same kind of game here and just that feel with Stafford on the other side, and we can probably talk about this a little, a little bit more. But you just have the feeling every time they get down the field, he's going to do something stupid, or <laughs> they're they're just going to kind of stumble and and maybe get a field goal at best. It, it just I don't know what's happened from him from uh, I don't know what's happened to him from last year to this year, but it seems like a like a different guy, and it it kind of made me feel more comfortable during the game, and maybe the coaches did too, and kind of said, all right, let's just kind of pound the ball some short completions to Cobb and just kind of run the clock and score when we can and we're going to come out with a win and which is exactly what they did.
0: Mhm. Yeah, he seems to have lost his accuracy. Mhm which <laughs> I don't Sorry, know, how, I don't that know how that happens. No, and, and it, it, we kind of saw it with Aaron Rodgers earlier in the season where it just seems like they can't hit a target anymore. And I even heard Chris Collinsworth say he's a very accurate quarterback. And I was thinking, except for the part where he isn't accurate uh, <laughs> for this whole season, it seems like. I have a feeling, and I had the same feeling last week, that if, Either of the quarterbacks had played competently, that the Packers probably should have lost the last two games. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're wide open people. He's just throwing behind people on third down, overthrowing people, underthrowing people, and uh, you know the gift touchdown. I mean, what happened? What's the score at halftime if that ball doesn't slip out of his hands and uh, right. Mike Daniels doesn't return it for a touchdown? So, I, I don't know. This Lions team, maybe that's kind of what you expect from them, but. I don't know, it just seems like another case of maybe the opponent beating themselves as opposed to the Packers actually putting up a a, a game worthy of winning. I mean, you're never going to apologize for winning, obviously, but just a weird performance. Again, back-to-back weeks, both at home, both against de- division foes that you've completely dominated the last, you know, six, seven years. So, um, I don't know. Uh, I guess the defense, you know, had some problems, and I know that's a lot to do with injuries, or that's what we s- they say it's a lot to do with injuries, but, uh, did anything stand out there to you? I felt like Tremont Williams had a big game and Hayward looked good again, but, uh, the pass rush and kind of the mid-level linebacker play was, was not very good at all, I thought.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the same kind of things. The, the corners have played well and looking really deep there too now, cause we see now that Shields is back. He... Had a nice game as well, had a nice pick, which, by the way, was another awful throw by Stafford.
0: Oh, God, that was terrible.
1: But, uh, but I mean, with House as a dime back, I mean, that's pretty impressive and pretty deep at, at the corner position. And when we get Woodson back, hopefully this coming week, you would think that they're pretty solidified across the board there. But, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Daniels made the one nice play, but other than that, mm-hmm. uh, just the middle of that defense, uh, what do they call it, like the triangle there in the 3-4 with the... Yeah. The middle position and the, the two inside linebackers pretty weak. I mean, Detroit does not have a good run game and they ran the ball pretty well against us last night. So I guess it's just kind of more of the same for me. I, I mean, none of the running backs really had an outrageous yards per carry. I, I, Bell was at 4.1 and LaShore was only at 3.5 and he got the bulk of the carries, so. I guess pretty well done against a poor running attack from Detroit. I, th- I think it's just the same things we've seen. I, I think we know where we are at this point. Hopefully with Clay and Woodson coming back, it kind of solidifies up our weaknesses because really where they're missing is where we're lacking the most.
0: And believe it or not, I looked it up today, from a yardage standpoint, the defense is actually ranked higher than the offense right now. The defense well, is 15th in the league in yards allowed, and the, the Packers are 16th. 16th in yards accumulated <laughs> on offense. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to believe from last year that you would imagine we'd be anywhere outside the top 3 or 4. Mm-hmm. Uh but it's a complete shift in coaching, it has to be, in game planning and just a complete change there. And the defense has has been pretty good and I know they kind of bent a lot last night and but didn't really break much and made some big plays when they had to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess I can believe that the offense has been underwhelming for what seems like the entire season. Other than one game against Houston, and maybe I'm, I'm missing one that I'm sure they probably played decent in a, in a couple others. But
0: well, they had just... some pretty solid performances, and I think we're a little bit spoiled. I mean, the Arizona one, they still they didn't play very well, but they scored what 31, and, the, and then they've scored 28 a, a bunch of other times. So I don't know, but it, it feels like they it's all like a couple of not lucky plays, but big plays, and the rest of the time they're just kind of shooting themselves in the foot.
1: And you would have to, have to feel that it's, it's gotta be the game plan because even average offenses will have more big games than we've had so far this year. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just look around the league, teams with much worse quarterbacks and receivers than we have are, are occasionally putting up 40 spots on, on people and we're just not doing that anymore this year. So mm-hmm. I would have to think that this has something to do with McCarthy, whether thinking we're good enough that we can get by with this or game planning for these specific teams that he knows we can outscore playing average or maybe just trying to hold something back for the postseason. But I would think that this has to be part of the game plan, and I don't think that our offense is just this bad.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... I I don't think so either. I mean, 16th is absurd. Uh, I mean, there's no way that this is the average for an NFL offense right now. I mean, there's too much talent. They've produced too much. And in in points scored, they're actually 10th. So it's a little bit misleading, but that's still not that high. Um, They're only outscoring their opponents by an average of 3.4 points per game this year which is really contrasting to the last couple of years. I mean, even the 10-6 and six year that they won the Super Bowl, uh, they were outscoring their opponents by uh, almost 10 points a game. I guess I don't know. Um, at this point, maybe they're just going through the motions a little bit, but what are, what is your confidence level right now? I know we'll go over the playoff uh, situations in a little bit here, but what is your confidence level going into the playoffs? I know mine has been a little bit more uh, reserved than maybe yours has, but... Uh, what are your thoughts going into the playoffs, and when you size up the potential
1: teams they might play? Well, first of all, speaking towards your confidence level, I just thought I'd let everybody kind of know how you are during the games. As you <laughs> sent me a text last night after I think Detroit's first touchdown, and said, "What's the point? This team has no chance at doing anything." So oh. I know your brain's kind of a little scrambled during the games, <laughs> and, like often. But
0: I don't um, know. I still I, kind of feel like that now. I just feel calmed down a little bit.
1: Yeah, I I'm still pretty confident and. I don't really even think it's because of what we're doing but I think you look around the league and who has a right to feel more confident than we do it, you know it's there's no other teams out there that you're scared of I guess I kind of have the feeling that maybe New England might even be the best team out there right now but even they've had they lost to Arizona and they've lost some Yeah, bad but that games was
0: like too. 3 months ago.
1: Yeah, true but but I mean even still every team goes through this and I don't think there's anybody out there who's I confidently can say is better than we are, I guess. So, I mean, I don't think that, you think about it, and you're you're like, can this team really win three or four straight to win a Super Bowl? And it kind of feels like, no, I don't think so, but who else can Mm -hmm. other than us, I guess. So, I mean, it's what we've talked about time and time again. All we have to do is is just get hot at the right time, and there's nothing Mm -hmm. you can really do to to do that. It just kind of happens, it seems like. Mm -hmm. But I guess I feel confident maybe just because of, by default and because of a lack of any other really strong teams out there, and I think we can kind of turn it on a little bit as we get to the postseason, hopefully with the offense, and get some guys back.
0: Yeah, and, and I can see that, and I agree that there really isn't anybody in the NFC who I can confidently say on a given day is better than the Packers, and who do you think can go on that run, and really nobody stands out, but the flip side of that coin is that all of these teams are capable of coming to Lambeau Field and beating the Packers. I mean, right. you would have to say that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even teams like Seattle and I, I was starting to think of the matchups a little bit yesterday. I am terrified if they have to play even Washington at Lambeau yeah. or or something like that. It, the Giants, you know, scare me to no end. Um, Atlanta maybe scares me the least. Just because... I was going to say, is
1: there anybody <laughs> even in the wildcard discussion who scares you? Less than Atlanta I think they're the team right now Out of everybody in the discussion Other than maybe Dallas I could see that being a good matchup oh. for us too
0: Oh, but They could play Dallas and then Atlanta In the Georgia Dome to go to the that would be Super great Bowl with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah But I don't know uh, The AFC is weird I feel like I can't judge anybody in the AFC Because the bottom feeders stink so badly That I feel like Houston And even New England uh, Certainly Baltimore and even Denver, obviously, because of their division, ha- have just really inflated their records beyond their actual value with uh, some of the bad teams. It feels like Denver hasn't played anybody good since September. Well, I mean, look at the Jets. I mean,
1: They have no reason being in the discussion in the wild card race, but they're only a game out <laughs> just because yeah. uh, you look at their schedule, they're just beating up on terrible teams, and they continue to play bad teams the rest of the year. They might sneak in, and if you watch that team, they are miserable. Mm-hmm. Uh, the defense is okay, but their offense is, is just... The worst, and they are still right there for a wild card spot, and for them to be an, even the top half of the AFC really says a lot about how bad that bottom half is.
0: Well, Indianapolis has the same record as Green Bay, a better record than the Giants, a half game worse than San Francisco. I mean, there's no way if they were in the NFC, and not to, to sound like a you know like an SEC fanboy or something, but there's no way that if they played in the NFC, they'd be nine and four. I don't think.
1: No, I don't think... They did beat us, so I guess we can't say much, but I I agree. I I don't think that team's nearly as talented as any of the top six teams in the NFC, and I think that they kind of beat us by us maybe taking for granted and Mm -hmm. falling asleep in the second half, not because they were more talented or better than we were. So Mm -hmm. you're right. I I mean, I think if Cincinnati makes it as a wild card, that team's bad too. I, I agree. I guess I can't even say anything else other than I think... Even the top teams in the AFC, I'm not sold on Baltimore. They lose to a Roethlisberger-less Steelers team. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's pretty weak all around, other than maybe the top two in Houston and New England.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think New England's probably the scariest matchup for any NFC team in the Super Bowl, just because they've been there before. And, and Brady, I know he's lost a couple of Super Bowls, but he's never he hasn't played horrible in either of them. He's just kind of played a little flat. And so I think they're probably the most capable of beating an NFC team. Depending on the matchup, I think Houston certainly could, but um, I don't know, it just feels like the cards are showing that it's going to be a really lame Super Bowl, I have a feeling this year. Um, I know, I I believe it was Michael Silver on Yahoo Today had an article that said, are there any good teams left in the NFL? And I said, um, maybe you should have talked to us like four years ago, and we would have told you, no, there isn't. No. And I think this year might be the the biggest illustration of that we've seen in a long time, which... um, I don't know, maybe that's a discussion for another day. We've kind of gotten away from the Packers win, uh, yesterday. Actually, Aaron Rodgers just called us and he, uh, he chimed in on our opinion that he didn't play very well and he said, uh. I don't appreciate that. Um, that's all he said on the phone. Yeah, call. that's it, that's it. Then, then, he, <laughs> then he hung up. Now he doesn't want to talk to us anymore. So I guess, is there anything else you really want to add? Uh, Mason Crosby looked a little bit better. I know he missed a really long one, but it was in the snow. So
1: um, is there yeah, any other I, thing? I was, that... kind of, yeah, yeah. I was kind of upset again when they let him kick that long one because it seemed like he had started to get it back together. I was like, okay, he's got his confidence. Don't go out there and kick a 52-yarder in the snow and have him miss it because mm-hmm. he's bad from 50 anyways. Mm-hmm. So I I guess I didn't like that call. I would have rather played the field position game. But I hopefully that's a confidence booster for him. Uh, other than that, really, the only thing that I wanted to mention was It, it just joys me so much to, to see the Packers running for over five yards a carry Against mm-hmm. this Detroit front Because oh, I talked about it last week on the show And I think that everybody thinks they're good just because they've got Fairley and Sue and some of these other guys, but they're actually not. And for a team like the Packers with a banged up offensive line with Alex Green starting to just gash them like we did last night, it just mm. makes me feel really good. And it it's nice to see, you know. And I know people still think that defensive line is good, but they're not. I mean, Sue is okay. He's maybe pretty good, but the rest of that team is, is really not as talented as everybody thinks they are. And it's it's nice to see a, a poor running game like ours just tear <laughs> them apart last night.
0: Yeah, and I don't even know how good Sue is, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, Dewan Harris comes in for his first action of his career, and he looks like Emmett Smith, with our offensive line, who, right. oh, they irritate me so much. I think somebody mentioned, maybe Chris Collinsworth, that the Packers has started treating this like maybe one of their main rivals, even maybe higher than Minnesota at this point, and God... I understand every team does this to a degree, but the swagger that this team has—they're four and nine. <laughs> I mean, come on! I just—I don't understand what's going through their heads. And, and Nick Fairley should have been thrown out of the game for that hit on Rogers, where he pie-faced him and then smashed him into an offensive lineman. Yeah. Um, I'm just tired of these guys. And as soon as I'm, I can't—I hope it's not against. Our team, and I hope he doesn't actually injure somebody seriously, but I can't wait till and Sue gets suspended for like a season, so I don't have to see him be a total immature jerk out there, and then go sit on like, inside the NFL, and be a mild-mannered person, be like, well, they're just investigating it, you know, I play hard between the lines. I'm like, no you don't, you're a total liar, you're in denial, you're a cheap shot artist, and Nick Fairley's worse than you are. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm glad everybody sees through that now. It seems like every time he says anything, people tear it apart because they know he's insincere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's kind of what I talked about. I love seeing them get gashed because I, I can't handle it. I don't get where they get it from, where they think they're such a good team. I'm, I mean, they had a decent year last year. That's it. Other than that, they've done nothing. They're, ten and
0: six is like 16-0 and 0 to Detroit, though, the way they've had the last uh, ten years.
1: Yeah, and if hey, if they're satisfied with that, You know, making their careers. I'm fine with that too. If they just want to shut it off now (laughs) and uh, be continue to be a team for us to beat up on in the division, I'm I'm happy with that. So, more than any other group of players or or any coach in the league, I love seeing Schwartz lose. I love seeing Sue lose. And it's uh you know I, I mean, I, I never really would get this passionate about seeing another team lose. I've, I've never really hated just specific players that much. I mean, there's mm-hmm. been occasionally like maybe like a Warren Sapp or a Chris Hoban or something. Ugh, but uh, but yeah, uh, I just can't stand this defense and, and Dom Sue and where where they think they get their uh, their swagger and their right to do the things that they do when they've proven absolutely nothing.
0: Yeah, I didn't include them on my list that I put up as a blog post a couple of weeks ago on our Podbean page, just because they're not really good enough to ever hate.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but the measure of how much, and I, I know you felt the same because we were talking about it maybe in one of our shows during the off season, the measure of how much I hate this team and I just love to see him lose is. I cheered for the Bears like it was a Packer playoff game when they played uh, Detroit down in Soldier Field last season when they're cheap-shotting Jay Cutler and they're trying to cheap-shot people. And every time, like, Erlacher would get an interception or Peppers would blow up the pocket, I was, like, cheering like it was a Packer game. Yeah,
1: definitely. Because
0: I just I hated the Lions and they were just... Cheap shotting all of these guys, and say what you will about the Bears, but under Lovey Smith, they've always been a pretty classy team. And I, I mean, I like to see them lose too, but uh, I, I don't. I'm not going to sit there and watch the Detroit Lions try to cheap shot a team who's actually had some success in this league and not been douchey about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, dou- douchey's a great word. And, uh, but I completely agree. I, I, Detroit, I think, is my most hated team right now, even over Chicago, even though they're the team that we've been competing with for the last few years. And mm-hmm. I know Cutler's easy to hate on because he's kind of a, a tool himself. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, that game against Detroit, and really any game against any team against Detroit, I'm rooting for the other team pretty, pretty heavily.
0: I like that we're getting a little bit of our fan going here. I mean, usually we're <laughs> we're very a uh, little bit more low key, but I think it's good to have that sometimes.
1: Yeah, the Lions make us passionate.
0: There you go. All right. Well, those passionate Lions, or I don't know, that was a bad segue. Anyways, they lost <laughs> to the Packers, 27 to 20, yesterday at Lambeau Field. And like I said in the intro, that ended up being a huge win for the Green Bay Packers uh, in the division. The Packers now four and zero in the division, which which is very big, and the Bears are now uh, 2-2 and in the division. So the Packers go to Soldier Field next week to play the Chicago Bears with the NFC North division on the line for them.
1: What is Uh, the Vikings division record, really?
0: (laughs) The Minnesota Vikings are 3-2 and in the division. They lost to the Bears a few weeks back, and then they lost to us last week. So if the Packers beat the Bears, and I'll go right segue your question right into the scenarios that I have. The Packers, if they beat the Bears next week, will be... 5-0 5-0 and in the division The Vikings, the best they can do Even if they beat us in the Metrodome Will be 4-2 and So the Packers will have all the tiebreakers Over both the Vikings and the Bears If they win Sunday at Soldier Field They will clinch the division Regardless of what they do the rest of the season They will be the division champs However, if they lose to the Bears That sets up a whole bunch of different scenarios At the end of the season They can still win the division If they win their last two games uh if they beat Tennessee and then Minnesota wins all the way up until that point, Minnesota will be 9 and 6, Green Bay will be 10 and 5. If Minnesota beats Green Bay, Minnesota will win the division because they have a better record in common games, which is now since the realignment is ahead of conference records, so common games for the three teams involved here are Indianapolis, St. Louis, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Houston, San Francisco, Seattle and Arizona. The Packers will actually be 5-3 and three in that, even if they beat Tennessee. Minnesota, to get to an opportunity to be 9-6, and six, would have to beat St. Louis. And the big one is they would beat Houston, which right now is our advantage over the Bears. And remember, Minnesota beat San Francisco. So they would have a 6-2 and two record in common games. So they would take the division. If Chicago beats Green Bay, they would still need to win their last two games to win the division. And Chicago cannot win the division in any scenario where they finish with the same record as Green Bay or Minnesota at this point. They're behind in common games, they're behind in uh, conference record, they're behind in division records, so the Bears will have to win the division outright to take it. Uh, are you with me right now, Matt?
1: Yep, I'm still following.
0: And all of the three-way ties between Chicago, Green Bay, and Minnesota favor the Vikings because of that common game record. So if they have a three-way tie at 9-7, and seven, or if they have a three-way tie at 10-6, and six, I'm I'm pretty sure on this, I was testing it over and over, that any one of those scenarios, a three-way tie at 10-6 or a three-way tie at 9-7, will go to the Vikings. So that's kind of interesting. So I guess if there's any Vikings fans, that's uh, good news for them. The part that gets really interesting is a 10-6 and six Packer team. That is vying for a wild card Now if they lose to Minnesota and Chicago To get to that point They are in big trouble Mainly because they lost to the Giants and Seattle Who are both going to be in the runnings for that um, If any combo if A 10-6 Packer team That only beats Tennessee The rest of the way uh, Just stick with me If any combo of Seattle, the Giants And Dallas and Washington Have a four-way tie at 10-6 and 6, Green Bay will be the odd team out Uh, Dallas or Washington will take the East, the Giants will be the first wild card, Seattle will be the second, and Green Bay will not have a playoff spot in that scenario. The Bears are the worst scenario right now. They lose almost every tiebreaker for wild cards and everything. So basically the problem for the Packers is those two losses to Seattle and the Giants. The thing that has to happen for the Packers to be able to get over the Giants to get into the playoffs, is it sounds really weird, They need the Giants to tie with both the Redskins and the Cowboys, if possible, because the Giants have a horrible division record, so they will be third place, and that basically buries them from ever being able to use their head-to-head tiebreaker against the Packers, because Dallas and the Washington Redskins will be ahead of them. So if you just uh, stick with me real quick here, the Packers can still make the playoffs if they go 9-7, and believe it or not. Um, It would be Almost impossible for them to win the division. Um, they would beat the Bears in a tiebreaker, but if Minnesota finishes nine and seven and the Packers finish nine and seven, Minnesota will take the division. The Packers, believe it or not, can make the playoffs at nine and seven, but only if the Giants, Cowboys, and Redskins all tie for the division title at nine and seven, and Washington wins it. <laughs> they have the tiebreakers over Dallas as a wild card, but not over Washington. So if Dallas wins the division at 9-7, and the Packers would lose out of the playoffs to either Washington or the Giants. If Washington wins the division, then they would beat out Dallas for the tiebreaker, and then the Giants would get buried underneath Dallas in all tiebreaker scenarios in the division record. So basically what we need to happen is if the Packers don't win this week, um, you're really going to have to start... Pulling for there to be a mess At the top of the NFC East For the Packers' best scenario to come through So um, Do you have any questions after that, Matt?
1: No, I I think I got it all I I guess I'm not going to personally start trying to think About all the wild card ones yet until we have to But um, hopefully we can just win This week and then all that stuff becomes null and void Well, here's a couple
0: other scenarios For you. If the Packers and Falcons Both finish 12-4, and Green Bay Gets the number one seed Which is kind of interesting And if the rare chance that Atlanta loses out, and Atlanta, Green Bay, the Giants, and Seattle all finish as your division winners at 11-5, and five, the Giants will be the 1 seed, the Packers 2, Seattle 3, Atlanta 4, and uh, Packers, Giants, Falcons, if they all finished 11-5, and five, uh, they would be Giants, Packers, Falcons in that order, and then San Francisco could either be anywhere from the 1 seed to the 4 seed uh, in that scenario, so... The Packers could be anywhere from not in the playoffs to home field throughout the playoffs at this point. So um, I guess if they win this week, it really simplifies things and you don't have to worry about it. The big problem is the Minnesota Vikings with their, uh, their opportunity to really run down the Packers. So if they don't win this week, they have to really worry about the Vikings, I guess is the big thing. All right. So now that I've thoroughly confused everyone and myself the most, uh, let's go move on to one of our favorite segments, which is far less confusing. It's time for Crossfire. This is the segment where we discussed in rapid-fire fashion some of the topics that you've submitted and that we've had for each other, and the loser gets spun off into space on a little star or triangle. So that's the point of Crossfire. And I guess, Matt, let's start with some of our Facebook topics because we had some really good ones on there.
1: Okay, sure. Um, I guess the first one we will go with Brian Dinsey here. He had a couple good ones for us. The first question that he has what is the Packers' biggest need for next year? Um, so I guess whether draft or free agent but what do we most need to address?
0: I think they most need to address the offensive line. Uh, it seems a little bit obvious, but, I mean, that's a big problem. The thing I worry about is Ted Thompson has not had a very stellar record in trying to draft offensive linemen. So, right. I mean that's probably how we'll build That's all we always build and most of the time it's been successful I think they need to figure out something with the offensive line Even if it's considering maybe making a change in coaching Or or something But the offensive line has been atrocious And and not only does that really Affect your ability to beat teams like the Giants Or the the 49ers But also if number 12 doesn't stay healthy um, You've got some big problems And and he's going to be 30 In the middle of next year So certainly not old but Not where you want to see him taking a a ridiculous amount of punishment. I mean, he's on pace for close to 50 sacks this year. We can't have that every year.
1: No, and completely agree. I I mean, I think there's a couple holes elsewhere that you need to address, but like you said, this is the one protecting Aaron Rodgers, and I think this one on top of it is also the biggest weakness we have. The thing is, is they've been trying to address it. They've, They've drafted... Offensive lineman in the first round of a couple of years here recently. So, but I think you have to keep trying. I, I know they haven't drafted well, but it has to be the offensive line if you ask me to. Mm-hmm. All right, and our next question here by Hayden Fleming, uh, one of our great listeners here, asks us: uh, It's not Packer related, but who was a worse team—the '76 Bucks or the 08 Lions? Oh, geez,
0: <laughs> that one is kind of tough. We saw the 08 Lions obviously in person and. I mean, they weren't hapless. Uh, They were bad. Uh, They lost the game on running out of the back of the end zone with their quarterback uh, (laughs) accidentally.
1: Who was the quarterback that was at Orlovsky that day?
0: I think it was. I, I can't say for sure, but I think you're right. They were close. Tampa Bay was brutal, and granted we didn't see them, but their margin of victory, and I'm gonna look it up real quick, maybe as, as you, uh, answer, but I, the, the, 76 bucks just didn't have a chance, and then they followed it up, I know that's not really fair, but they followed it up by losing their first 12 the next season. Yeah. I know it's an expansion team, I'm shocked. You, you know what, honestly though, I think maybe I will say that the 08 Lions are worse a little bit adjusting for inflation the bucks were probably a more hapless team but how you can't win one in the modern NFL when 9 and 7 teams are going to the Super Bowl every other year is uh, is pretty embarrassing so i'll say that the 76 bucks were a worse actual football team but as far as infamy i think it's worse for the lions than it is for the bucks
1: yeah i would completely agree with that i bet that the buccaneers were a worse team i I had imagined that the Lions had more talent. I mean they had guys like Calvin Johnson playing and some other good players, but um I like you said, I haven't gotten a chance to see the Bucks play from that year much, but after losing all of those games and then twelve in a row the next year, probably a worse team, but I think that the fact that the Lions somehow managed to not win one in an era where we've seen some really, really terrible teams. I mean even this year look at the Jaguars have won a couple games. Yeah. And they're miserable. For a team to not win any is probably a, a little more embarrassing for them than the Bucks. I'll, I'll say the Bucks are a worse team, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that's what the question was. So I guess I'll say, based on just the question, the seventy-six Bucks. But I agree with what you said about the Lions too.
0: Real quick, checking the stats, the seventy-six Bucks in fourteen games were shut out five times. Whoa. They scored a hundred twenty-five points, or less than nine a game, and allowed twenty-nine point four a game. So that's an average of losing by three touchdowns a game. So. Yeah, they're a worse team, but uh, the Lions are more embarrassing. All right. Well, we want to thank everybody on Facebook for their their comments, and we got a couple other things on Facebook that maybe we can get to later. But going back to Crossfire here, I got a Crossfire question for you, Matt. As objectively as possible, what is the greatest NFL game you have ever seen?
1: Oh gosh, that's that's tough. I'm... I think I'm going to need a quick second to think about this one here. The greatest NFL game I've ever... Well, I mean, there's obviously ones that have made me the happiest, but those don't necessarily mean that they were the best game I've seen. Um, man. Well, why don't you go first here so I can kind of think <laughs> about this? Because, honestly, I, I don't even know where to start.
0: Yeah, that's a really tough question. That's why I kind of wanted you to go first. But um, it'll sound really weird, but as far as... One of the games that, even as I was watching it, I felt was a great game and had a little bit of everything, was uh, Super Bowl 38 was really interesting, was the one where the Patriots and Panthers had, they couldn't score or do anything, and it looked like it was going to be a defensive struggle, and then right before the half, both teams explode for a bunch of points, and then they almost do the same thing, and one of the more compelling fourth quarters, I know we've had good ones, especially lately, but... That fourth quarter was just phenomenal, where everybody's making plays, and I wish it wouldn't have come down to it, John Casey doing an illegal procedure kick out of, out of bounds and then kind of a short field. But uh, as far as a game at the time that maybe I could get away from uh, emotionally <laughs> a little bit, uh, I think that's on the list. And uh, the only other one maybe that it's hard to say this, and I'm not trying to just sound like I'm above my emotions or anything, but I've recently watched Super Bowl thirty two for the first time since it was live and that's a heck of a football game too.
1: Yeah, alright. I that Super Bowl thirty eight even before you said it, that kinda of popped into my head quick after I sent it to you. I, that was a great one and I I just always have that picture in my head up Delhome saying he's coming after Harrison and
0: Oh yeah, that, that's the best.
1: And that game was pretty awesome. I I yeah. I might say that's at the top too you know there's so many games I'm probably not thinking of that would actually be the top of my list Another one that was Great too was last Year's divisional Round game with the Saints and 49ers Oh yeah That game was Incredible um, So I guess I would Say it's Super Bowl 38 but that game The back and forth With Alex Smith And, and Vernon Davis Versus Drew Brees was, was really really Great so I guess For a, a more recent One I guess I'd go With that one Okay My first one here For you is I know you have a you, you love all these Teams that I'm about To mention I want to hear from You which one you Think is the best So I have four Teams here for you The 08 Cardinals Mm-hmm the 05 Seattle Seahawks, the 2000 New York Giants, or the 98 Atlanta Falcons. Which oh. one was the best team?
0: Oh. Um.
1: All Super Bowl teams, but these were all the teams that made it to the Super Bowl and probably didn't deserve to make it.
0: Well, certainly not the 08 Cardinals. That team's embarrassing. They, if they would have won that game, they should have stopped playing the Super Bowl or renamed it or something. That was pathetic. And, and it's pathetic on the NFC's part that a 9-7 and team gets to host two playoff games, including the conference championship, but that's nor here nor there. Uh, I think out of that group, Atlanta went 14-2, and but that's kind of a weird era where you had huge divisions still, but Bad, huge divisions. And, uh, I remember they had, uh, some really bad teams in their divisions. So I'm not gonna say them. The Giants in 2000 were, were a horrible team. Anybody from that, two, that 31 team era from 99 to 2001 stinks. Everybody stinks in that era. I don't care. I might do a blog post on that one day, but everybody in that era is horrible. I would say that the, the Seahawks were probably the best. Sean Alexander set the rushing record. They really dominated the NFC that year, and I know the NFC stunk back then, but uh, they were still the one seed. Uh, they, they played Carolina, just been in the greatest game ever played two years before, and uh, they beat them pretty thoroughly. So um, they, not an impressive showing in the Super Bowl, but I think Seattle's the best of that bunch.
1: I agree with you, and there was kind of a lack of talent on that team too, but, you know, Hasselback was good enough through his career that you feel like he kind of deserved to make one, Mm -hmm. and that was that year's team. Alexander was at his prime then, uh, the rest of the teams were, were just worse, I think. Not that I think Seattle was a great team, but Atlanta had Chris Chandler as their quarterback, and and 14-2, like you said, but really when you look at the guys on that team afterwards, not a lot of real great players, Two thousand Giants maybe kind of had the makings of the their first Super Bowl team. They had a few guys on there like Strahan, but other than that, not much. And
0: uh, have you ever been the, more bored in your life than during Super Bowl thirty-five when the Giants lost to the Ravens?
1: I <laughs> no, mean, that was bad. I mean, we were both rooting pretty hard for the Ravens, <laughs> so maybe that made it a little more tolerable. But that was a terrible Super Bowl. And uh, you know, the only thing the Cardinals really had going for them was Warner was playing well in 08. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'll have to agree and say Seahawks
0: okay um, speaking of kind of the bad teams that have made in the Super Bowl this is kind of an interesting question a little bit deviating from our normal crossfire questions but I'd like your opinion since I give mine on this a lot it's been a decade since the NFL realignment uh, and when they went to 32 teams uh, what is your quick assessment of it and do you think it's been good bad or had little effect on the overall NFL product
1: I don't know that's tough I i think i kind of prefer the five team divisions a little bit maybe just because you see you you know you didn't see the 9 and 7 teams or 8 and 8 teams even mm-hmm. winning divisions and getting home field uh i think that's a little bit ridiculous you throw an extra team in there and you would, you would hope that one of them is better than that mm-hmm. and we didn't see that as consistently when there were five teams in them but you know i guess i don't think it's changed the product a whole lot other than that It really kind of seemed to make the divisions. You kind of led to like maybe one or two crappy divisions in each conference, but Mm -hmm. you kind of weeded the teams out that didn't belong. Get Tampa (laughs) Bay out of the NFC North, and get the Cardinals out of the NFC East, Mm -hmm. and kind of throw those teams all together in the same divisions, and and (laughs) get what you come up with, I guess. And like the NFC South as well. I mean, kind of outcasts from the other divisions. Mm -hmm. So. I kind of like that part of it. it. It makes it feel a little more like the NFC North and the NFC East after you get rid of a, the teams in there, but I don't know. I feel like it hasn't had too much of an impact, mm-hmm. but I guess I prefer the five-team divisions, but I, I know how that doesn't make sense, obviously, with 32 teams.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the NFL realignment has been weird, I think, and... I actually saw a stat somewhere that the average wins for the best team in the league has gone up from 13 and a half to over 14. For uh, so it means you're getting a lot more 15 and one, 16 and 0, 14 and two teams than you ever have before. I think it's a double-edged sword a little bit. The worst era in NFL football for me is that 99 to. 2001 era that I just mentioned, where you had the five-team divisions, you had one six-team division, where you had, in 99, you had Jacksonville go 14-2, and and the Titans go 13-3, and because they played eight games against the Ravens, Steelers, Browns, and Bengals, who were all horrible. Um, the Rams that year, everybody else in their division, I think, had fewer than six wins when they went 13-3 and as the greatest show on turf. Well, geez, I mean... Trent Dilfer's 95 bucks might have been the greatest show on turf playing against that team, that lineup. So I think the problem now is that it's letting lesser teams in the playoffs and they're hosting games. But I think the the bigger problem is the extra team more so than maybe the the alignment of the league. So I I think that... I think it's been better for the overall game because you really do have a feeling that every playoff team has a chance, but it doesn't feel like the Super Bowl and some of those NFC and AFC championship games are quite the same anymore because you never really feel like these are the two best teams <laughs> when you're watching them, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. All right, so my my last Crossfire question for you here is, and I kind of questioned myself when I thought of this question, but I I feel like it's when you think about it, it's it's actually pretty valid. Who is the better Packer defender? Is it... Reggie White or Charles Woodson?
0: Oh,
1: boy. Um, I mean, initially you kind of think White, right? But then you sort of start thinking about it, and you you kind of have to stop and think a little more than you would think you would have to.
0: That's really hard, because they they have different value to the team. Mm -hmm. I I still think I'm going to go with Reggie White, and I think it might be my advantage a little bit that I've seen those games more recently. Reggie White... They didn't even have to blitz when Reggie White was there. They blitzed fewer than anybody else in the entire NFL in, from about, uh, when Reggie got here till Fritz Schirmer left. I mean, he got the nickname No Blitz Fritz because they just would collapse the pocket with two guys, uh, essentially Sean Jones and, and Reggie White and, and then some other guys in there like Bryce Pop. When Reggie is on, he completely disrupts you know, another team and there's games that I've seen where he just, He was playing the Vikings one time, and I saw he throws the offensive lineman out of the way, and then he throws another one into Warren Moon as he runs away, and it just was completely (laughs) disruptive. And I think that maybe the nature of the position is he has a better opportunity to make an impact on every single down than maybe Charles Woodson does. Charles Woodson at his peak is unbelievable and probably equal to Reggie, but I think that I would say Reggie still
1: Yeah, and I I think I would have to agree as much as Woodson has been you know one of my favorite Packers ever and that stretch he had from what 2008 to 2010 I think when he was just out of his mind and Mm -hmm. nobody was a playmaker like he was for those three years and he was incredible Mm -hmm. but I think I think I'm gonna kind of base my decision more on that '96 Super Bowl probably meaning a lot more to our franchise than the 2010 one just because we hadn't been there in so long and he was such a big part of it and. To no fault of his own, but Woodson got hurt in the 2010 Super Bowl, whereas yeah. Reggie White had one of the greatest games of his career, too. Yeah. So I, I think just the way he carried them that year, I mean, it's, it's really, really close for me as well. And maybe if Woodson has a couple more really, really good years, maybe he'll change my mind. But I think I would still have to go with Reggie as well.
0: Okay, yeah, um, good points all around. I got one last one for you here, Matt, and it's kind of a hypothetical one, but it's one I've kind of thought for a long time about the philosophy of being a fan. As a fan, which would you rather have for the team you're rooting for? A team like the 1960 to 85 Packers, when they went to the playoffs eight times, they won five championships, they had six championship game appearances, but from 1968 to 85 they were 500 or worse all but three times, or the Dallas Cowboys from 1960 to 1985, they went to the playoffs. 18 times, no losing seasons for 20 years, went to the NFC or NFL championship game 15 times, five Super Bowl appearances, two wins. So basically, do you want the dynasty or do you want a horse that's in the race every time but doesn't win every time?
1: You know, and I think I would have to go with the Dallas scenario. Uh, I think I would have a really hard time... Obviously, you'd still be loyal to the Packers, but if they were bad for 17 years, it's hard to really get up for the games as often. Mm-hmm. And I know being a, a fan of a team like Dallas, saying that, that time frame can kill you when when you're just there every year and you get your heart broken, but at least it's a little more entertaining than knowing your team's going to be bad every year, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I, that's tough, but I, I think I would have to go with I'd rather be there every year, even if you don't win it, than just not be relevant
0: Yeah, and I think I'm going to have to agree as much as – I mean, the the Lombardi dynasty may have made the Packers in a lot of ways. But, I mean, if you look at it, look at – that's kind of the story of our Packers that we've cheered for in the last 20 years. I mean, they've been there every year, and they've only won it twice. I mean, so, I mean, at least they're there. Um, I kind of agree with you. I will say, though, that in the rare times that the Packers have been horrible – it is kind of nice to wake up on a Sunday and just watch a game, hope they're gonna win, and not feel really any stress about it.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Um, but I wouldn't want to do that for 10 years or 20 years. Or so. As much as it's cool when you're in the middle of it to have a dynasty, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if if I had to choose between the two, I'd rather be the the straight and narrow team that wins it a couple of times than the the team that booms and then busts. All right, so that's going to bring an end to another crossfire segment. I think it uh, was a good one, maybe a little bit longer on our crossfires, but I think I'm going to determine that I won, Matt, obviously, uh, so <laughs> you're going to get zoomed off into space. since That's what right. happened to me last time.
1: All right, I'll take a zooming this time, I guess.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, we did have some other questions on Facebook that we'd like to address. So, Matt, do you want to introduce those?
1: Sure. And uh, and Brian, who had gave us that crossfire question, had a couple of other random questions for us here. Uh, one we kind of touched on before about with the Falcons and really not being threatened by them at all. And he asked, when was the last time we have seen an eleven and two team or a number one seed at this point, anyways? That really nobody has has taken seriously other than this year's Falcons team. So I guess who we could compare to to a team like that?
0: Uh, well, I was tempted to say the two thousand Giants, but I think that the the Falcons have a little bit more respect built up than the Giants did, just yeah. because they've they've been in the playoffs more. Um, that's a tough one. Maybe Seattle, because Seattle had had some playoff success, but they're kind of, they're almost a clone of the Falcons now, where they've been successful for a number of years. They never won a playoff game. And as you're watching it, you expect Seattle to be good, but you're kind of in disbelief that they're the best team in the conference. And so they kind of have to prove themselves. So uh, if I'm a Falcons fan, I guess I would enjoy that comparison because the Seattle Seahawks, when they did get the one seed, did go to the Super Bowl. So I I think that one, just because they they were successful, but they never really solidified themselves as one of the best teams in the NFL. And, And maybe you could throw the 06 Bears in there too, but they were dominant at times.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that That was the team I was thinking of, too, was, was the Seahawks team. I, you know, I really can't think of anybody else who, like them, has just kind of been there consistently, but you never really took seriously. I mean, they're kind of their own mm-hmm. animal, I guess, here. I mean, there's really not a lot of teams like this. I mean, they can beat up on their division all they want, but they just don't look good doing it. They, they aren't threatening. They don't really do anything particularly well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I kind of think it. They're their own thing, but I guess I would agree and say the Seahawks, if you have to compare them to somebody.
0: I mean, you could maybe throw in, like, the 2007 Cowboys, but at that point... I was kind of
1: thinking Dallas, too, yeah, but... Romo was so
0: new at that point, you didn't know if he was going to be Mark Bolger or if he was going to be Tom Brady. I mean, he he had only had, what, at that point, a, a... Less than two years of starts So you really kind of weren't sure If this was a new era of Cowboys football Or if this was just going to be a number of You know, like a Mark Bolger or a Phillip Rivers Who's just a good guy who's never going to win anything
1: And even back then I mean, even still up until maybe this year Everybody was always talking about how talented that team is Even though we've kind of found it Maybe not to be as true But really, they and that has a lot to do with Maybe the East Coast bias of ESPN But they were always pushed as a super talented team And I think they, Mm -hmm. they gained a little more respect Than Atlanta has this year
0: well, and, and when they say talented, they never specify that they mean football. Uh, they, yeah. they might be talking about singing or, or, or <laughs> dancing or golf or something.
1: All right, last uh, last question for Brian here was, uh, What is it, what do we think the Seahawks should do with Matt Flynn? I, it seems now that Russell Wilson has solidified his position, obviously, as a starter, mm-hmm. and for the foreseeable future, barring any injuries. So I guess what do we think should be done with Matt Flynn?
0: If I'm Seattle, I keep him for one more year. Because you don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson He could flame out Um, You've seen a lot of rookie quarterbacks Who had a really hot start And then kind of plateau a little bit Uh, I don't know if Flynn will want to stay But at the same point if they want to keep him for another year I'm not exactly sure what their options are um, if somebody gives you a reasonable offer for him, I would deal him. Otherwise, I guess I would wait and see with Russell Wilson. I would, he'd be my my starter for sure next year. But uh, I mean, we've seen guys do this a lot, so I guess I would keep him one more season and then and then maybe look. F- I would take offers, but I wouldn't look to actively trade him at this point.
1: Yeah, and I agree. I, I think that it would be nice to keep him next year too. We see a lot of sophomore slumps, but then again, going into this off season, you might have a lot of leverage because. Uh, how weak the draft class is, there's really nobody that anybody is, is thinking is an elite quarterback. Mm-hmm. Barkley just keeps sliding down the boards, and, and I don't think anybody thinks Chino Smith is a uh, going to be a great NFL quarterback necessarily. And there's really no free agents other than Alex Smith, which he's going to be the big name. Mm-hmm. So. There's obviously more than one teams that need a quarterback, and if you're a team that has the luxury of having two, like the Seahawks do, mm-hmm. I I think that they can probably get a pretty decent price for for Flynn, and maybe them having to pay him a little big bigger salary this year is going to be worth it if they can get you know like a second round pick or something like that mm-hmm. uh, back for him in return. So I, I think they should try to deal him this offseason as much as it would be nice to keep him around. I th- I think that uh, this is probably their time to get the highest price back for him.
0: Yeah. Bonus crossfire, real quick. Would you take Flynn over Alex Smith if you're recording free agents?
1: Oh, man. Uh, That's tough because we haven't seen that much of Flynn. I don't think so. I think i take Alex Smith just because, you know, I kind of second-guess myself as I say that even. But I guess we we kind of know that Smith is a solid starter and we have no idea what Flynn can do. We saw one great game, but then he got beat out by a rookie who we hadn't even seen him do these types of things in the games yet. He was just a rookie and... Obviously, it's it's worked out for him, but I, I think that kind of says a little bit about Flynn to me anyways and scares me off a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess just based on that, I'll say Alex Smith.
0: Yeah, I guess real quick, I'll say that it depends on my team a little bit I'm tempted yep. to say that uh, I would take Matt Flynn Just because I feel like there's a, a better chance you might hit the jackpot And you're not going to pay a lot, so if he flames out, big deal, start over But I, I think that if, if you're the Jets, I would go after Alex Smith But if I'm Kansas City, I would probably be more inclined to take the risk That Matt Flynn's going to be the next great starter As opposed to a, a game manager who's going to have to play with my lousy team
1: Yeah, absolutely our last question here is from Caleb Pike on Facebook, and he asked us in the wake of the Jerry Brown death, uh, who was in a car with his intoxicated teammate, Josh Brent, he had just learned that the NFLPA gives players an anonymous 24-7 car service. Not sure how you can use it, but it makes it, it makes it a lot sadder to him, he's saying, knowing that this option was out here. And we would kind of discussed this before, and I, I know we had discussed this on an earlier episode, I think, when... In the offseason when a lot of guys were getting arrested And we were talking about how big of idiots they were For not using this thing mm-hmm. But something that I've heard a lot with this Is that the players don't necessarily want their their Teams knowing that they're calling this car service mm-hmm. And getting drives home at night I guess the thing that makes me mad is these guys are millionaires They're not calling cabs <laughs> I know they probably yeah. don't want to leave their nice cars at the club But hire somebody to drive for you for crying out loud If you're going to go out And uh, But I think maybe they need to find a way to Make this more anonymous if it isn't already That these players feel that they can call this number And, and have anybody come and get them Without maybe the team knowing mm-hmm. uh, I I guess this is something that I already knew And it, it does, it, it frustrates me a little bit more Knowing that all the avenues these guys can take and To get home safely and they don't But yeah. uh, I, maybe they just need to tighten it up And make it a little more efficient So that people will actually use it
0: yeah. yeah, and it's tough And yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into the whole kind of Personal feelings I have for this But it just um, I, I think I wish they would use it more And and I, I guess I don't know Like you said The stigma of, of using it You don't want the teams To know about it And things like that But I know You're supposed to change things And you're supposed to be outraged When stuff like this happens And it's certainly a tragedy And it's a horrible thing But it's It's, it's tough for me to say What they should do Because you can't make somebody do it And Part of me wishes that they had something like this as a public service to everyone. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but, but you can't make people use it. I mean, what, what are you gonna do? At, at some point, you just have to have a personal accountability, and when something bad like this happens, you have to point it out, but, I mean, it, it, it's, it's tough. What are you gonna do? You can't, you can't baby these guys. You have to make them make the right decisions, but, um, you, you have it in place. What can they do beyond what they have right here, besides having it in place, I guess, is, is the question I, I'm trying to answer. Uh, and, and I don't have the answer for it And I don't know It's 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 a tough to answer I don't know You can't compel someone to do that right. And you can ask the questions for this individual case But the, the question I always have When people go nuts about the drunk driving And how foolish they are Is just like um, How much do you want to bet That almost everybody who consumes alcohol Either has or knows Or has ridden with Somebody that legally Should not have been behind the wheel Right uh, So not that that okays any of it, but it's hard for me to to really start pointing fingers and trying to, to say, this guy should have done this, or the league should do this, or somebody should do this, because I think the nature of that whole situation is sometimes these things happen. So I guess that's kind of a downer, but obviously as uh, uh, is, is little as... Thanks it's, a lot, Caleb. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, as little as it means, obviously, uh, everybody from Green Gold Forever and, and old Packer fans really feel for the situation in Dallas and, and hope they find a way to get through this. The Packers have an opportunity to clinch the division for the second time in, uh, two years or for two years in a row and for the third time in six years. Matt, they gotta go to Soldier Field. I'm not sure of the status of Jay Cutler at this point, but...
1: I think he's active. I, I he's just active. heard on the way home today that he expects to play.
0: Okay, so... I guess what do you expect to happen on Soldier Field? Will the Packers be the NFC North Division champions at the next Green and Goal forever?
1: You know, I'm just kind of expecting almost them to lose this game just because I feel like, although the Bears have been slumping lately, that I feel like we're not good enough and they're not bad enough to, for us to beat them twice in, in the same year and to, to go into Soldier Field and take them out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we completely shut down Brandon Marshall last time, which was huge, and I, I don't know don't know if we can do that again. But I also feel that their defense isn't playing nearly as good as it was then, mm-hmm. and Erlacher's out. It, they just seem like a completely different team almost than, than they were the first time we played them. The defense has been pretty average lately. I I think this is going to be a really good game, and I think it's probably going to be a little more low scoring. But you know, I, I really don't have any idea what to expect. I, I guess I'll say the Packers 24-20 over the Bears, but. Like I said, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they if they lost, or even if they lost convincingly, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to really guess, but just because the Bears have been so inconsistent, but they could really come out and turn it on. So mm-hmm. uh, I will predict a Packers victory.
0: Yeah, and uh, you echoed a lot of the things I was thinking. uh This is a scary matchup. Yeah. This would be, what, the sixth straight win over, seventh straight win over the Chicago Bears if they... Uh, win, <laughs> so that, no, I'm sorry, six straight win over the Bears. So that just doesn't seem possible, and I know that it's the old adage, they've already won five of them, so winning the sixth is not that hard. If Clay Matthews plays, and if Clay Matthews is better than 85%, I think they have a really, really good chance to win this game. Uh, Erlacher's out, so I expect Rodgers to play better than he normally does against the Bears, you still have Julius Peppers playing against some very weak tackles, so that kinda of scares you a little bit. They got Ryan Grant back. Ryan Grant's the bear killer. I'll say that if they run the ball like they have had success in the last two weeks and they've had success in the past against the Bears, I'll say the Packers can win. It's gonna be low scoring. I'll say... I'll say 28. That's kind of high scoring, but it's low scoring for the Packers, I guess. I'll say
1: 28-24. Sounds good. I mean, mean, we both have a a four-point victory prediction here for the Packers. I I think it should be right around there. I I guess I hope that uh, maybe this is the game where we need to turn the offense on a little bit just because you're going against a little bit more firepower, at least, in Chicago. So um, maybe we'll see a little bit more of Aaron Rodgers.
0: They're gonna get crushed, aren't they? Now that we said that,
1: <laughs> I, I hope not. I don't. Maybe we should have predicted a loss since when we did that against Houston, they they destroyed the Texans. But I'm, and I know that the Packers, all the Packers, listen to us every week. So. Oh
0: yeah, you know it's booming <laughs> through the, the loudspeakers in the. Yep. Alright, so Packers, prove us wrong and show that you're actually worthy of your record and your Super Bowl hype because right now we're kinda, we want, we want a reason to believe. I should have used Gimme Something to Believe In by Poison, uh, <laughs> this week, but, uh, hopefully we can use some fun songs if they become the, the NFC North Division Champions after this Sunday. So, Let's go pack, let's go beat the Bears, let's win the division, and then we'll worry about our playoff matchups after that. So uh, thanks, everybody, for sticking with us on this long edition of Green and Gold Forever. I guess it's a payback for the short, short one we had last week. So everybody enjoy your week, cheer for the Packers, and uh, we'll see you next Monday. Or I guess you'll hear us next Monday. Take care, everyone.